All right, guys, big episode of the Nordies podcast. The Vikings win ugly across the pond. The Gophers are exactly who we thought they were, and a really exciting weekend in the Premier League. Here we go. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Doing pretty well, man. Just happy to be part of the pod with you guys. Me too. Happy uh, about our Minnesota Vikings going to 3-1. and one. We'll talk a lot about that here in a minute. Um, but before we do, we need everyone to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. Also, subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcasts from and get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week for free. You know what? Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Yeah, do that, please. All right, guys, what are you drinking tonight? Ryan, you're going to love this. Guess where I am? Portage. Yeah, baby. I went to Omnibulus for the first time. What a little, like, that little gas station liquor store. It's crazy, dude. It's They have, like, six Omnibus, coolers, and they have more exciting beers than 25 or 30 coolers at my place. So, anyways... This is a Wave Dimension Tropical Hazy IPA, really like soft, full IPA, and then they ha- even have like coconut in it. Um, damn, is it really, really, really good? I love it, dude. Portage, Portage is my like dark horse, sneaky, most underrated brewery in Minnesota. Oh, they're getting Nordy Nam. We'll see if they can pull it off, but uh, I wish they were closer. Walker, Minnesota yeah, is a just, bit of a just, trek. Not enough distribution either. It's it's hit or miss whether you can find it. Um, I'm drinking Lacroix. I'm going I'm going sober during the week uh, to lose a few poundages. So oh, good for um, you. Yeah, some little bubble well, of water. What flavor of Lacroix? I mean, you can't. You got to at least tell us. Uh, it's one of the fancy kinds. It's the like the strawberry pineapple kind or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't I don't remember. Yeah, okay. I, it's at Costco. All right, I think I'm going to do sober October. You are? Starting tomorrow? No, hell no. I'm drinking beer right now. (laughs) I was going to say. (laughs) I'm drinking War Pigs um, Mutagenic Alchemy India Pale Ale with Yuzu Peel and Mayer Lemon. Could have used a text on that one because that's going to be my beer for the screencast. (laughs) I think it's bad. Oh, no. I got six of them. (laughs) And so do you. I do. I think it's bad. I don't know if I can. I'm. I'm gonna struggle to finish it. To finish one can, I got six of them. Fuck. I'm not. I don't get any. So I don't want to hear you complaining about a bad beer. Yeah, Lacroix overused. I mean, I mean, I just. I don't even taste beer. I just taste lemon and yuzu. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. All right. Here we go. We're gonna dive right into our boys' trip to London. Vikings twenty-eight. Saints 25. This was an absolute hectic game and a really fun way to start a Sunday uh, with <laughs> that's, an that's, 8.30 That's one way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. It was a fun day. Dude, we had great football games all day. I think playing in London or playing Sunday night football is the ideal thing for your team because you get to watch the whole day of football on Red Zone without having to have your game on right. at the same time. This was great. This was so fun. Um, in this game, uh, there was some really good stuff. 
Uh, Justin Jefferson went nuts yet again. He had a rushing touchdown, about 150 yards receiving. I think he had 10 catches. He went against Marshawn Lattimore, who's supposed to be one of the better cornerbacks in the league, and absolutely whipped his ass, like just from start to finish. He just abused Lattimore in this game. It was so great to see them get Jefferson back on track. Adam Thielen had a decent game. Um, you know, there was there was good things that happened. I'd say another thing was Cousins is officially a clutch quarterback, uh, even if he's really frustrating to watch all game long. Mm-hmm. In his last, are you ready for this stat? Every motherfucker out there who tells me that Kirk Cousins is a garbage-time quarterback is an idiot. He is not a garbage-time quarterback. He is an inconsistent quarterback, and it's super fucking frustrating to watch. Yeah. But in Kirk Cousins' last 20 games that he's played, he has nine game-winning or game-tying drives in the fourth quarter. Hmm. That's, That's incredible. I mean, he's pretty good. He's just absolutely killing it in late in games. He's yeah, gone that, from... That throw to Justin Jefferson, oh. the fade, was a big boy throw, and it was perfect. You couldn't throw it any better. That was, it made up for all of the shit. Yeah. That's how I felt. Like, the game sucked. Cousins really, I thought, was bad in this game. I was so frustrated with him the whole time. Uh, And then when the game was on the line, tied up 25 all late in the game, I I did have confidence that Cousins would lead us down the field. And he did right away, just like he did last week against the Lions. Two games and two, he's gone right down the field and in, you know, the most important drive of the game and chop teams up. Um, it was no different here. Uh, I didn't like us settling for the field goal. I didn't like a lot of KOC's clock management in this game. Agreed. Uh, I thought we did kind of a mess of a lot of things. It's always um, bad when we I'm get... like, why aren't they calling a timeout? Like if I yeah. think that they should call a timeout yeah. and they're not, and then the announcer starts saying it, it's like, dude, KOC should definitely know. Oh, I know. That and was I, pretty. And I think all of us have, PT, have Zimmer PTSD for like clock management. You know, two minutes to go. Yeah. Uh, in either half, either side of the half, and it's not it's not great. And I think KOC has got to. Again, Eric, and I think this this goes back to the Bill Simmons theory from like twenty years ago, where he's like, every team needs to have a twenty year old that plays Madden all the time and that like can yeah. tell you when to call timeout. You know, and you just listen. You pay that guy a hundred grand a year and just listen to him. Yeah, I think that that was really missing uh, in this game. Um, but we had a big late drive, and then you got a double doink, sixty-one yard miss from Will Lutz, one of the best kickers in football, to just put the most hectic of spins uh, on the end of this game. What could have been? We could have gone to overtime against the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. Uh, the two oldest running backs in football this year, Ingram and uh, who's our old guy? Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray. Um, Chris Dustin Olave pulled was... off the scrap heap to yeah. play to play big big minutes and kind of carved us up late. He did pretty well. And then the rookie Chris Olave, who looks to be like a big stud. Yeah, to be honest with you. he looks really really. Yeah, that guy's an elevate dude. One of those catches. That, he that was up our... like three fucking feet in the air to get that thing. How much of it do you think is Olave, uh, especially with that catch late, versus uh, Ed Donatel's defense? Maybe I'm jumping the gun here. Mm. Yeah, I think that that like, I think that that we have to be. I don't think it's fair for us to sit here and critique his defense too much at this point because we have picked, signed every player and drafted every player for 
you know, six years to fit in this four, four or three, three. Mike yeah. defense. And then a lot of those guys are locked up to big money. And in one year, we're asking him to switch to a completely different defensive system with a lot of square pegs and round holes and make it work with old aging guys on big contracts and piece it together when you didn't have any cap space. So I think, like, I'm trying to cut him some slack okay, because I think if he had the fucking guys, this defense would look a lot more aggressive. And I think him playing it so safe all the time and letting everything underneath happen and, you know, playing all these, like, soft-shell coverages and not getting any pressure on the quarterback is not how he wants his defense to look. Oh, yeah, I, I can imagine that's not ideal. Yeah. I think this is just him saying, "I this sucks. I'm going to do my best. And, like, I'm trying, even when I'm feeling angry, to get myself in that state of mind. Like, give him two, three years to see where this defense looks like when it's his guys, and it's not like a so bunch of guys. So it's not like really he needs to train these guys. He has the wrong guys, and we can expect this for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, oh. maybe we'll get better, but, like, I mean, the other problem is, is that your big expensive stars are all in their 30s which is definitely not ideal in the NFL. You have Patrick Peterson, like the oldest cornerback ever. You have Harry in his 30s. How is it he that we always – we had we had uh, Terrence Newman, and now we got Patrick Peterson. How is it that we end up with these, like, 37-year-old cornerbacks every time? Patrick I Peterson, that, you know what he's were, really good at? He's really good at touching the guy when they've, like, caught a pass and then they're on the ground and he goes <laughs> they've, and they've rolled over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he goes and touches them. He's really good at he's that. The, they the don't pat on the back up, guy. Yeah. But they have gotten a first down. I think that um, it's just because Zimmer liked really smart corners who could play kind of his complicated scheme, and he didn't trust young guys, and so he kept signing these old smart corners. Like, like I don't want anybody with athletic ability. I want all brains. Yeah. <laughs> you want all brains. And so I think, like, we're just in between systems right I now. And Eric, like, I can't believe you didn't get at least a chance to make the team then. Elite <laughs> football mind. Yeah. Body irrelevant. Elite football mind. No, yeah, Justin Jefferson's legs is all I have. <laughs> so I think that um, I'm trying to cut him some slack. I think that we should be more critical of the offense. Oh, yeah. And, like, I have this feeling. I think okay, we are, yeah. Yeah, I have this feeling that the offensive problems um, are with Cousins, I think. I have this feeling that Cousins, I don't know why, but I think Cousins is stupid. And I don't mean stupid as a human being, but I think as a top-level $30 million-plus-dollar quarterback, I think he is a quarterback who needs to be told what to do. I was going to say, as a, as a problem solver. Like, he's not an yeah. improviser. I think that, like, this offense calls for, like, someone, like, like, the best quarterbacks who are just brilliant, who can just dissect defenses, I think would hop into this offense and they would so thoroughly enjoy – the flexibility they had to just dissect the defense and move the pieces around and find the matchups that they wanted. And I don't think Cousins is really capable of doing that. I think that um, he liked, as much as people thought he didn't, I think he liked being in some of these basic run-heavy systems that were all about play action and he didn't have to read too much. A little more robotic in that regard. Yeah, I think yesterday like he had Justin Jefferson alone in the back of the end zone and instead he threw it to the six yard line to a double teamed Adam Thielen. Like that is like kind of unforgivable for what he's making and, and the moment there. Um, and then I think it was really telling that you could see on TV, you could read on Twitter 
And you could even hear the announcers talking about the level of frustration there was with Thielen, Osborne, and Jefferson towards Cousins in this game. And that even KOC and Cousins were not, they didn't seem to be on great terms during this game. Mm. And so I think that where there's smoke, there's probably fire. I don't think that there's a problem with KOC and the receivers and Cousins. I think it's KOC and the receivers together are on the same page. And they're all kind of annoyed with Cousins, who's kind of incapable of running what they need him to. Well, I think he's it, the one that's kind of lagging. It was interesting, you know, to piggyback on your comment, it was interesting how Mark Sanchez, who I find intolerable as an announcer overall, um, but he said after he after he missed that throw to Jefferson, Cousins went over and sat next to the receivers and talked to them. And the fact that the announcers like pointed that out, why, like why Kirk sitting with teammates has to be called out on the national broadcast is kind of alarming. That yeah. that 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 needs to even be said. Uh, that he's got to go over like, there and assuage their anger a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? That 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 shouldn't happen. Mm. I agree, and I think that, like, the thing I'm the most interested in with the Vikings right now, I mean, I, I they're 3-1, and one, and we should be really happy about that. They're 3-1, and one, and they're winning close games. And guess what? Teams at the end of the year who are good and have good records, when they didn't play well, they won close games. And when they were in games at the end, they won close. You know, it's like... Well, think about, the Eric, just think, think about that frustration level if we had lost yesterday, like, where that would boil over to. It's like, okay, we won. You know, Kirk made the big plays when he needed to. He fed KJ and JJ late. Uh, Thielen was kind of a little nicked up, you know, with his leg. I don't know what was going on with that. Um, but we won the game, so, you know, all's water under the bridge. But if we had lost that game, I think the salt in the wound yeah. would have festered a lot obviously, quicker. The, I mean, a double doink that ends up just happen, happening to fall oh. there. And I, I actually think we would have won in OT, personally. Uh, yeah. I think we were battling, but, you know, it was a very close game. Um kind of a 50-50 deal and we happen to win. So I but yes. It is kind of weird like there's a lot of frustration but our record is so good. Yeah, I think that like when I watched other games, I I found myself thinking, "Oh, this is how I feel about the Vikings. I'm sure their fans feel the same way." And I think that like the not playing in the preseason um makes the first month of the season pretty ugly for offenses. Um I think lots of quarterbacks are struggling and making bad plays, turning the ball over. I think lots of offenses are out of sync. Um, and so I, I do have some worries about Cousins, and I, like, I'm going to spend the rest of the year trying to decide what KOC is going to do because what they're not going to do is force KOC, who they hired on hopefully to be our long-term coach, to have to live with four years of Cousins if he doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do that. But I do have this feeling that they sat him down when he got the job and I'm sure he was cool with this too. And they said, give it a, give it one year to decide if Cousins is the guy you want to move forward with or if you want to go a different direction. And so I think that this whole year, more than trying to win a Super Bowl or anything, is going to be about where the future of this team lies and what direction KOC wants to go in with the offense. And I have a feeling it will be away from Cousins, but I do think he's good enough that we're going to be like a playoff team. Well, I think, and then it, it's all going to depend on what are the alternatives. Right. You know, because yeah. if the alternative is two more years of cousins versus like completely revamping everything, you know, you said we got aging stars on defense, you know, Madison might be gone. Dalvin Cook's going to be another year older and he's injury prone. Um, anyway, yeah. 
the only, I mean, Thielen's probably, you know, one step closer to being, you know, signing with another team at some point. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, the only, the only young stars we have are JJ, KJ and Irv, um, offensively. So, um, and Munt, boy, oh boy, he shouldn't play anymore. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it'll, it'll depend on what the options are. I think, I think if there isn't indeed a, a significantly better option than Kirk Cousins available, I bet they pursue it with all the fervor that they have. I think we're, we're like, we're going to see one of those Viking, like one of those trades that it's going to make your skin kind of crawl. Um, but I think in the next two years, you're going to see a Vikings trade where they do like a three firsts to move up into the top three kind of trade. Yeah. Like two future firsts and their first that year to go get their next quarterback. I think is what you're going to see at some point. It'd be pretty fucking exciting though. Yeah, they're going to like mortgage the next couple of years on like some young quarterback. I think at some point here, they you can't just always have a mid thirties quarterback. And so I do think at some point they're going to like go up and try to get their franchise. Their well, next and franchise, and you're not going to get lucky. Uh, like you're not going to get Mahomes at seven. You know, like that's not the way that the drafts typically work. No, it's hard to get guys anywhere in the draft. I mean, like there was an article the other day that was like the best quarter, the best two quarterback drafts. And, like, the number one was, like, Elway and Marino, and number two was, like, Big Ben and Eli. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, damn, there's not a lot of drafts that had multiple good quarterbacks in them. One of the drafts was, like, Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. Okay. And Wilson was, was like, a third-rounder. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, like, the greatest quarterback drafts, and one of them had Kirk Cousins in it. So it just shows you how fucking hard it is to find – a big franchise guy, but I do think they're going to try to make that move at some point and get younger and cheaper at the QB position. So, and I did feel kind of dirty about this game, just like last week, two weeks in a row. I've like the game ended and I'm like, oh, I didn't feel great about that win. But then I watched the Packers game and I felt a lot better. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> right. As the Packers absolutely shot themselves in the foot and struggled and struggled and struggled against a bad Patriots team that was on their third string quarterback a late-round rookie named Bailey Zappa. Zap. Zappy. Almost zapped him. Almost. This was wild. They won in overtime. After Zappa got the ball at midfield in overtime and couldn't get a first down. And it was he didn't play terrible. I mean, he, he was, what, like 9 of 15? But he there was a couple throws they needed him to make, and he just didn't have it in him unfortunately no the moment got a little too big for him but yeah it was great the Packers look like a shell of their selves um I know I know Rodgers will turn it around at some point and he'll get really hot and they'll win a bunch of games but like so far it's not the same guy that has won two MVPs in a row he looks like he got older he looks like he spent a lot of time doing ayahuasca and and maybe he's not on the the perks before games now or whatever it is who knows <laughs> but There's he's no not the one, same though. same deal yeah, same deal. I mean, they We're probably like, are pretty God, happy. These teams are so bad, and then they win every week. Yeah, I know. And then it's like next week the Vikings get the Bears um, with a historically bad passing game and a terrible offense. So it could definitely And they just lost worse. their best offensive lineman. Oh, which they didn't have any. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be rough. I would pick the Vikings to win next week. I believe they're um, like eight-and-a-half-point favorites or something, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I like is the it in, Vikings in Chicago. I think it's in Minnesota. 
Like is it here? Because if it's there, we need to remember the history there, which I don't care how bad their team is when we go there. No, I think we play there in December. Gets yeah, late. home against the Bears on uh, at noon on oh, Sunday. We got yeah. noon on yeah. Sunday, boom, check. That's Kirk time. Bad yeah, nice, like nice easy, games. locally televised only game, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, the Vikings are going to struggle to win this game, even though it will never be in doubt, if that makes sense. like, Is this, the, bu- is this the Buffalo game? Like Josh Allen rookie year Buffalo game? Where, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you could no, tell the guys have been partying way too late the night before because they thought that it was going to be such a cakewalk, and then we get steamrolled by a terrible Josh Allen and the terrible Bills? I'm going to go with this score. I'm going to go with... Um... The Vikings to win this game 27 to 16. 27 to 16. Okay, I'm going to go 36 21 Vikings. We finally are going to fucking run it up a little bit. I don't, I just don't see the, who scores touchdowns for the Bears? I mean, I guess, I guess their running game, Herbert, if Montgomery's back, um, they have no receivers. Justin Fields is basically just another running back. I mean, he, he's thrown the ball a historically low amount of times, which is where we get torched. I think our yeah. run defense is pretty good, um, just not against Latavius Murray, apparently. Um, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I've been I've been picking close games. I think this is like uh, I'll go I'll go thirty one ten. Wow, thirty one to ten. Viking. Okay, right. the Vikings currently have the 26th best rushing defense. Ooh, that's not good. Oh, wait, no. that's Oh, passing defense, I'm sorry. We're 26th against the pass, and we are... We can wait. 23rd against the run. Not good. Really not bad. good, Bob. <laughs> it's not, not ideal. So we'll just hope that we... But we're 3 and 1. Let's hold on to that. <laughs> but, uh, we're three we're ranked last editor. in every statistical category, except for wins. As, as the editor of the podcast, I'm going to take out the part where I said, I think I feel like our run defense is pretty good. Yeah, cut that. For your <laughs> own i got to cut this, too. Damn it. All right, guys, here we go. Um, next up, we have a big segment. We talked a lot about go- the Gophers last week. Um, the who? So what happened is that the Gophers gophered really hard. Uh, losing to Purdue at home on homecoming. Are we talking about the hockey out. team or the basketball team? That was the uh, the football team. Oh. And we're not going to talk about them again until they win how many games in a row? Four more. Two more. Two is all? Yeah, they got to win two more. They win two and then we can talk about them again? Yeah. In a row? Well, we yes. I think we have, to beat Penn, we have to beat Penn State, which is, I think, in three weeks. I think that, okay, that's if we Penn beat Penn State... State if we are undefeated and we beat Penn State in the next couple of games, then I'll go by, I'll, I'll I'll walk next to the bandwagon. Can I just say this? Since we're not going to get to talk to him for a while, um, do you guys remember last week what I said was that I was like, "Oh shit, they got ranked." Well, they're going to lose a bad game to make sure that they are not ranked next time they do the rankings. That's what happens mm-hmm. every fucking time. For whatever every reason, time. it's the kiss of death for Minnesota. The fan base is psyched. The team is psyched. The coach is psyched. Everybody, and then we just we can't handle that. And the we one make sure season we lose a bad game so that we're not ranked. And I, we the were one in season first. 
Yeah. The one season that Wisconsin sucks so bad they fire their goddamn coach after four games. Paul Chris fired first Wisconsin basketball or football coach fired since 1995. Good. First basketball or football coach that Wisconsin has fired since 1995 is the craziest stat I've ever Talk heard. Talk about like program they stability. either retire or they get a different job and leave. So Barry, and Barry Alvarez was there forever, and then he brings okay. along his guy. Mm. And then Bo Ryan um, was there for, I don't know, 72 years. And then brought along one of his assistant coaches to take over the, the head spot. So talk about stability in your programs. I know. Well, maybe that's changing, which would be great. All right, so uh, let let us take a minute, though, here uh, to actually talk about the Gophers that we are on the bandwagon of until they we get kicked off of it eventually, and that is the Gopher hockey team, uh, who's, uh, I don't know if they're rated, I don't know if there's even ratings out yet, but Bucci Gras from ESPN put him as number two in his rankings to start the year, and he is probably the biggest name that covers college hockey. Okay, so Buchigas is the reporter. John Buchigas is like an ESPN yeah. hockey guy. Okay, and he put he's whom at ESPN. number two? The Gopher hockey team. Oh, okay. All right. At number two in his rankings to start the year. So I do think that they're going to be pretty good this year. Um, they have a couple really exciting players that you're going to want to watch. Um, mostly Logan Cooley. He's a freshman, a true freshman out of Pittsburgh. He played for the U.S. National Development Team last year, and he was the number three pick in the NHL draft this last year to the Arizona Coyotes, and he scored two goals in his first game. He's going to be electric. All right. Like, this is not normal for the Gophers. They don't usually have top five draft picks playing on their team. Even though they're a great college hockey program, this is rare. I don't know if they've ever had a guy drafted higher than this, or at least not in a long time. So Logan Cooley, he could take over this year. You have uh, Brock Faber, the captain from Maple Grove, uh, junior defenseman. He was the guy traded in the, um, oh gosh, uh, what was the guy we traded to LA this year that Wild did? Yep. Yeah. Why can't we think Fiala. of Fiala. Kevin Fiala. Yeah, Kevin Fiala. In the Kevin Fiala trade, Brock Faber was the big piece that we got back in that trade. Um, so he's a defenseman, captain of the team, someone to definitely watch out for. And then um, from Phoenix, Arizona, sophomore Matthew Nyes, Nyes, I think it is. Um, he is a big power forward who was drafted by, I think, Toronto. I think he's going to be a Maple Leaf probably after this year. Big physical forward who's going to be a star too. So those are just a couple of the names to look out for. Should be a fun goal for a year. Can't wait for you guys to hop on the bandwagon with me. And it's going to be a fun journey for us to be on the bandwagon until eventually we have to get off when they lose to like a bunch of like 27-year-old Canadian guys who play for some weird random East Coast team in the playoffs. Okay. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Let's move on to some basketball talk here. Uh, We did get word that Carl Anthony Towns was hospitalized, and that might have been why he actually missed um, the media day with the Wolves last week. Ryan, what'd you hear about this? Yeah, just, uh, you know, some of the tweets from Krasinski and others um, at The Athletic. Eventually ESPN picked it up. Um, Yeah, Cat was hospitalized with some sort of a throat uh, infection. Um, 
God, that sounds, I mean, it sounds awful, especially when, you know, you're a athlete in tip top shape, you know, like I assume towns, you know, coming into training camp was, uh, you know, I guess he lost like 17 pounds or something in the hospital, which is a lot, uh, for someone, wow. you know, of, of his size. So, um, he's not going to play preseason for a little while. Um, obviously it's going to take him a little while to probably get back in the swing of things and feel a hundred percent, but yeah, glad he's doing okay. He, he seemed, you know, he kind of had his media day today. Um, seemed like he was in good spirits. Everything's fine. You know, just some sort of, uh, illness that probably won't tell us, you know, what it was, but I don't know. It was, it was bad enough that he was having issues breathing and that's why he had to go to the hospital. So. Wish him, wish him like the speediest recovery because this would be the most fucking Minnesota thing to happen. Be like, yeah, Carl's got some horrible lung infection and can't play this season. Be like, great. I, I just think it could have been a Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta situation. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen you've seen his girlfriend Jordan. I mean, it, I just don't know. I just don't know. The reporting isn't there for this yet. Yeah, he had to be cleared to walk again. Jesus. So, yeah, must have been pretty it bad. It just never can go. That's the curse of the, the wolves. <laughs> oh, it is. They're, they're, fine. they're not cursed. I mean, they are cursed, but this isn't part of the curse. They're literally, I don't know if there's a more cursed franchise in all of sports than them. <laughs> Maybe the Lions? The Browns? Sure. Yeah. Maybe the Browns? Yeah, I mean, they're like that level cursed. I know. So... They're going to have to break it at some point. And, and by the way, if if we're talking curses, I'm actively rooting for the Browns curse to continue in perpetuity because of the Deshaun Watson fuckery oh, that they, yeah. now that they, they pulled. It. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about this, guys? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar absolutely slaughters Kyrie Irving, calling him um, like a clown and uh, like irresponsible talking about the conspiracy theories that he's peddled, not so much about being a flat earther, but his anti-vax stuff and mm-hmm. his um, like anti-Semitic stuff that he was talking about the other day, reposting things about great lies and, you know, pretty much like global elites and Zionists and shit like that. Like getting into some ugly, gross, racist territory. Well, then let's not um, forget his uh, retweeting Alex Jones. That was, a, that yeah, was an all-timer. That's what that was. Oh, about. oh, okay. That was one in the same. Got it. Yeah, yeah it was like a, a kind of like anti-Semitic Alex Jones shit. So not ideal. Um, he's just kind of trash. He doesn't even play basketball anymore. Um, the one thing Kyrie's really good at is um, having high school kids think he's a top ten player in the world. Right. Um, but the one thing he's not good at, at is like actually making a difference on a good basketball team anymore. Um, it's been about five years since Kyrie was a superstar. Since Cleveland. Uh, Go back and look. He he has moments of brilliance. He hasn't had a good playoff series, or I don't even know if he's won a playoff series. He's won one playoff series, I believe, in like five years. This guy is absolutely a joke at this point, and he's more trouble than uh, he well, is good. And I don't know if you heard the interview. He he paints himself as a martyr for his Always. beliefs because he sacrificed uh, everything to not get the vaccine like what cool that doesn't make any fucking sense dude you're not sacrificing anything 
Yeah, you guys know. Oh, oh, no, sorry. What he what he was saying was he gave he he had a five year deal on the table and they took it away because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Cool, good idiot. Yeah, Yeah, and you're a moron. (laughs) You know, it's funny to see Kareem coming for him because Kareem has been like kind of a self serious guy himself and had times when probably people thought you know, oh God, now he's into Islam and what is he, now he meditates, like this guy's kind of goofy, but Kareemah was always a, a professional, first and foremost. And looking back now, Kareem was on the right side of most every issue and he has continued to be. And he's actually been educating himself the right way throughout this entire thing. And Kyrie is not. And I can see almost why... Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would take issue specifically with Kyrie because he's making Uh all athletes look like, oh, you're acting like you're smart, but obviously you're not because you're an athlete. When in actuality, Kyrie's not smart because he's a fucking idiot and he believes whatever he sees on Twitter. Um, So it is kind of interesting to see those two go at each other. It's like, dude, Kareem has been there, done this, and has come out proven that he's been on the right side. Who is I'm just who's more insufferable? Kyrie... Who's more insufferable at this point, Aaron Rodgers or Kyrie Irving? Oh, Kyrie Irving has been just I think Kyrie, so okay. bad. I think Kyrie, long. I can't handle him. Aaron Rodgers is a douchebag, but like I don't so know. So are a lot like, of quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay, so my only thing is that I I'm just glad Kareem um, healed up from that badly broken leg. Yeah, that was tough. That was touch and go. In yeah. <laughs> in day. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was brutal. That was just a little bathroom, broken like... leg bathroom action. Yeah, I didn't like that. Um, also, uh, talking about idiots in the NBA, the Suns owner had to sell the team or is going to sell the team because he was like using the N word and like being just an absolute piece of shit. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, not not a good look for this guy who tried to play it off like he was like a changed man. And Another stuff. owner exposed. Guy sucks. Going to sell the team. Uh, we can't feel too bad for him, though. Actually, I wouldn't feel bad for him for any reason. But we can't feel bad for him because he is uh, set to make what some people believe is like $4 billion or mm-hmm. some just insane fee for this team. Um, the NBA is not like the NFL, where like all the teams are kind of equal in their value. The NBA is like very much um, unequal. Uh, some of the teams could sell for as much as five or six billion, um, where the Wolves sold for like one point three billion. Or no, something. I thought it was. I thought it was two. I thought it was right at two. two. I it was like right at two. No, no, it's really cheap. Okay, look it up. It's Fair not enough. high. They, they well, like. Um, not I heard cheap, that. Owners, but the I heard owners are worth a bunch of money. Phoenix is the same size. They're actually smaller city. So I listened to a podcast with uh, Bill Simmons talking about this, and he said that. Um, owners were upset with the Wolves for how cheap they sold the team because they thought it devalued other teams. Um, and that they were upset with Glenn Taylor because he sold it to A-Rod and Mark Laurie because he felt good about them or something. <laughs> um, and so te- teams were all mad at the Wolves that they that he sold them for so cheap. He said that the reason that the Phoenix is one of the main attractions to own in the league is because all these rich guys who live in L.A., want to own teams, but they'll never be able to buy the Clippers or the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And so they could hop on a little 
plane and easily get to Phoenix and own their own basketball team. Okay. And so he said he, so he expects your proximity to LA is now increasing your value. Son of a. He was person. saying that like We're really he was saying that, uh, he was saying Miami, New York, Brooklyn, Chicago. Um, he he said both LA teams, the the Warriors and Phoenix were his like top teams that you could own and they'd sell for the most. And he was saying that they're going to get like $4 billion for it. So, um, and they might need that money to invest in their team. Uh, I think their window is probably already closed and not that this is a precursor to a bad season, but uh, the Suns lost a preseason game to an NBL team. I don't even know what the NBL is. Isn't it Australia? I don't either. I thought they lost to an Australian team. Yeah. I, I think that's what the NBL is. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it is like an amateur level team or lower level fucking league. And apparently um, no NBA team has ever lost to one of these teams. It's supposed to be like, you know, let's warm up. And guess what? All the starters were in for Phoenix and they were really pissed off that they lost. Like they did not try to let this happen. It was like 134 to 124. They lost Um, teams kind of in shambles, (laughs) which I think is great. It's great news. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's take them off the board. Let's yeah, have get them out, get them out of the West. Finish higher than us last year. That maybe, maybe could finish lower than us this year. That's what I want. Me too. Me too. Because the Clippers um, are already right, jumping up over us, right? So, like, let's let's get some teams to drop below us. Let's keep doing that. Now, the Clippers, the, the Clippers duo of stars will like take half the year off. I know. One of them will be hurt for a month, and the other will be hurt yeah, for a Kawhi's month. Kawhi's not playing more than 40 games this season. Hopefully hopefully, <laughs> we're the team who is, like, too stupid to realize that you should rest during the season, and we get, like, a two-seat. Let's go. Um, all right, so we'll move on to some bad news. A soccer match in Indonesia had a riot after the game with around 130 deaths. Um, this is crazy to me. Uh, it's really sad, and I don't understand. Um, people caring enough about sports to like go die on the field after the game in like fights with people. I know it's not people's intention, but like um, I don't even think any good players play in Indonesia. Like this is like equivalent of like the minor, minor leagues and people are like going to fight to the death and crush people and kill people on the field. This is insane. Yeah. It's a different, different country. I don't know. That's insane. Um, really a sad. Different country. I mean, has to be one of the <laughs> I know it's really profound stuff I'm bringing to the table here <laughs> see it's Indonesia um, but, but I mean this has to be like one of the biggest sports tragedies ever right I mean you know we've had like stands collapse where you know tens of tens I don't know 30 50 people die stuff like that but 130 and counting yeah that's fucked up yeah, no, it really is. Um, yeah, so that's a bummer. Um, we were going to hop right into some more soccer talk, but I do have to hit on one thing. Um, Aaron Judge is not going to break the Yankee home run record, it looks like. It looked like it was a done deal weeks ago, and now the guy is ice cold. He can't hit the home run. He's lost the batting title. He's down by four points to uh, Twins uh, second baseman Arise, second baseman, first baseman Arise, who's going to win what looks like the batting title. And now um, Judge has just three games to go to hit the last home run. 
Uh, are they going to just give him a meatball to crush over the fence to break it or not? No, they should. Uh, everybody should walk him. Fuck the Yankees. They should just walk, walk him. him. I hate it. I hope he doesn't break it. Because guess what? So Nobody fun. gives a fuck about this record but Yankees fans. Oh, it's just the stupidest thing. The Yankees home run record is definitely its name at this point. Um, people are trying to act like, well, this is not steroid baseball. I bet you Aaron Judge is on just as many steroids as Mark McGuire was. They're just smarter steroids and harder to detect. Uh, everybody's on steroids in sports. They're all taking all kinds of crazy shit. They're all pumping their bodies full of stuff. We all know that they are. They're I don't need to sell injections in Mexico. They're doing everything. Yeah, the deer antler I spray need... from Ray Lewis's time. I just don't need to like have us shame Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds and then pretend all of the guys now are just clean. Like that's right. crazy. These drugs are t- way ahead of the curve on all of the tests and all these dudes are taking shit. Um, also uh, the difference is how about this? Maybe Barry Bonds head grew and he hit a bunch of home runs, but he wasn't playing in a softball park like Aaron Judge is. Yeah. They literally moved the fences in to have the home run city in New York. And they just get to just hit deep fly balls. That would be easy outs in most parks. And they're like eight rows up. So I don't care. I hope he doesn't get it. I don't care that he's a nice guy. There's lots of nice guys. This isn't a record. It's not really important. And it's going to be awesome when he strikes out in the ninth inning of game 162. And he ends with 61 home runs. Okay. Pretty negative. If it makes you happy, I mean. (laughs) <laughs> all right guys and then finally we haven't talked about the premier league in a while it's back after two weeks off and it had two of its biggest matches set up for saturday and sunday morning uh between four of its top teams uh we start with an early saturday morning north london derby where my team the arsenal took it to those douchebags from tottenham tottenham hotspur three to one kicked their ass. We haven't lost to them at home in 12 years. And uh, this was just a joy to watch. A red card for the Spurs, a bunch of beautiful I think Anthony Taylor got confused. He didn't, he he meant to send off Xhaka and he pointed to the Spurs guy accidentally. (laughs) Did the kits look a little different? Were they wearing like maroon kits or something? Yeah, I guess maybe they were wearing closer. I don't know. (laughs) I loved it. Every second of the the day, other than the uh, inevitable Harry Kane penalty, which he gets to kick in every big Premier League game, um, happened. Uh, every time he plays a top six team, he gets to have one free penalty in every game. That's in his contract. Um, yeah, no, it is. Uh, he's also the most unfairly judged player in the whole fucking sport. Um, in the Premier League, he is free to do anything he wants to any player. And if anyone calls him a name, sneezes on him, or just falls down in his vicinity, it's a penalty. Um so this was great. I had the best time watching this game. I don't, uh, I told you, I'm not in this to win the title. I'm just in this to finish in the top four. Everything else is just a bonus. And I really am believing in Arteta and a fun young team. And I just uh, hope they keep that momentum uh, going for a little bit longer. We're going to eventually get caught by City, who played in the other big game of the weekend, the Manchester Derby. And boy, oh boy, City is horrifying. They are a different level than every team. Um, at this point, it's hard to say that Holland is not by far the best player on earth. Mm-hmm. He is scoring goals free. for I fun. don't even know who you could argue is anywhere. Mbappe. I mean, kind of in that fucking soft-ass like, league in France. Sure. No, I agree. But he's, he is, he's the other guy. I mean, he already has a World Cup. 
He won a World Cup as the main player and scored the game-winning goal as a 20-year-old. He's, you know, they're, they're the two. That's Messi and Ronaldo at this point are those two guys. And they will be in the next 10 years. Um, Holland has already uh, the same number of hat tricks in the Premier League as Ronaldo. In eight games. In eight games. He's he has three hat tricks in athlete. eight games. He has three hat tricks in eight games. He's a machine. Like he's just scoring goals for fun. And then Phil Foden, the other big young star for them, had a hat trick as well. They just blew uh, United off the field. I'm really thankful that United hurt their goal difference a little bit by scoring a bunch of meaningless goals at the end of the game. Uh, it ended up being six to three. I think that this game was, if you didn't see any goals, but you got to see everything except for the ball going into the net and you had to guess the score, you would guess that City won the game. 10 yeah, I was going to say like 18 to 4, I think would be like the final. <laughs> it was a fucking bloodbath. This game wasn't close. It was an absolute spanking um, from the big brothers in uh, Manchester over their former big brothers uh, from Manchester. United is dead meat compared to City, who have gotten literally everything right. And at this point, it's like I don't like City, and I cheer against them in almost any game that they'll ever play. But I also like sports, and watching them assemble a team like this is pretty magnificent as they are just like they're, they've leveled up, and they, they, uh, I, there's no end And we can all laugh us. when I mean, they crap out of Champions League in the uh, first round of the knockout stage. Love that. You know, I I, that as long as they beat, if they beat Spurs twice this year, I don't care yeah. if they win the Champions Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, so that was another big thing from the weekend. And then, uh, Jim, your team, Liverpool, time to put up or shut up. I have yeah, to I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I get that they're a little older, and it could really, like, Mane be that big a difference that now you need Bobby Firmino to come back and start scoring all our goals like nobody else can. I don't know what's happening with the team. I'm very distraught. Um, they, go, they, they concede the first goal every single game, and then they maybe yeah. catch up and sometimes draw, sometimes win. Um, rarely lose. I mean, they're, they're just not, they're not doing enough. I, I don't really get it. Like I, I would ask you guys, what the fuck is wrong with the team? Is it just, is it like Klopp's messages are getting through anymore after just after they extended him? Is it that they gave like Salah, like all this money and everybody else is pissed? Is it, um, is Mane gone? And that's a big deal. Is Virgil just washed? I, what the fuck is up? Let me go. I'll go first. I, and then Eric I, can clean up my mess. I think it's a it's a little bit late on. I think I think Chelsea and Liverpool have uh, some similar issues with their midfield, um, aging players that don't fit modern systems um, a little bit, and and they're just not not quite there physically. Um, I think that the Premier League, if you're not Manchester City, is really hard to replicate success year over year over year. Um, and I think I just that, thought we were doing that, and well, this is the first year we're not, I, and it hurts. But I think you're you're coming out of the gates a little slow. I think Liverpool has done a really good job, like finishing strong, you know, leading towards the end of it. So I think I would look to that. Um, and I I also think that uh, you did lose an important piece in Mane. I I don't know if he was um, you know the catalyst, but you also brought in Luis Diaz. Um, uh, Darwin Nunez, like it's not like you didn't replace him with other players, but those guys need a little bit of time to adapt. Doing anything, yeah, okay. Yeah, they, so they, they they're still that. they're still adapting. So I would say those are the three things that that are probably why you're seeing 
non-typical results from Liverpool. Okay, I got four reasons for you, and I'm going to go quickly with them. One, um, Chelsea and Liverpool both got to play like the last five years with a cheat code that nobody else got to play with. Okay, Liverpool's cheat code was Virgil Van Dijk, and Chelsea's cheat code cheat code was Ingolo Conte. And they're both kind of similar players, even though they have totally different bodies and plays different positions. But they were like erasers on defense. They could make up for everyone's mistakes. They could allow the team to play so aggressive. If you ever watched Mane play, or I'm sorry, Conte play in the midfield of Chelsea in his prime, he would just erase every mistake that the team made by himself and then send the ball back the other way. It was incredible. He was the best player on earth for a while. Van Dijk has been the best center back of the last five years. And he was the same thing. They could get so forward because he was so solid that he was just erasing everyone's mistakes on the team all the time. They were just like transcendent players, team of the decade players. And as both of those guys have gotten old and have lost maybe two steps, they're still fine players, but you have to kind of adjust how you play then. You can't just expect them to clean up every mistake forever. And so I think their reliance on him and not replacing him or putting pieces around him is a big problem. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is the weirdest thing of the whole season. He literally looked like the best English young player on earth, and he has been bad so far this year. Not to say he won't be good still. To the point of almost unplayable, I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, Especially defensively. Even even starting him or whatever with the World Cup stuff. He's like a... He's like a problem right now. Um, Darwin Nunez, they spent an absolute fortune on him, and then he instantly got a red card and was gone for three games, and he just has not been able to hit the ground running. He'll probably be fine still, but like you spent so much money on him and had such plans for him to be your big goal scorer, and I don't know if he scored in the Premier League yet. And then um, the midfield is a bunch of like 32-year-old guys, and it's just like nobody else is doing that. They're Henderson – they're uh, Fabinho, they're Tiago, they're Milner's old as a well. bunch of old guys, and they're a bunch of old guys. And I said the one thing I said before the year leading into the year was I was worried about Liverpool's midfield, okay. and I think that they are slow and not exciting and not modern, and I think that that's keeping them back. Now it is put up or shut up time for Liverpool because their next two games this weekend at Arsenal, let's go, and next weekend, next weekend. The week, I guess the weekend after this upcoming weekend, home against Man City. I love it. I, I see a W and an L in our future, and we'll see which is which. So, <laughs> so hey, so if you if you could get four points out of those two games, you're probably in great shape. Yeah. If you get six points, you're right back in the thick of it. If you get zero points, serious questions will get asked. So it just it's a time where their backs are against the wall, and you'll get to see everything that they got. They're going to have to come out guns fucking blazing this weekend. And... I think they have a good chance of beating Arsenal. They're hey more, they're well, more and if the and if the stupid for... queen if the stupid queen hadn't died, it would have been Chelsea, uh, Brighton, Sit, uh, City, uh, Arsenal or Arsenal City. Yeah, in that order. So yeah. like four Thanks games for in the a row. attention, you guys. I, I need that. I needed like some some info. That's why I anytime. listen to this podcast live while you guys in, record. Anytime. And then uh, lastly, Ryan's team. A new direction, a new coach, wins his first game in the Premier League. How are you feeling about Chelsea um, with uh, Graham? I don't know. It's too early to tell. I feel like, again, you know, you talk about the, uh, like, when we talked about Ed Donatel trying to fit square pegs into round holes, I feel like uh, Graham Potter's going to have a lot of that um, on his hands with a lot of the players that were purchased. Um, 
I'm still confused about who's going to play where. I think Kovacic and, and Jorginho are washed. Um, Kovacic not quite as much, but Jorginho needs to go. Conte can't stay healthy. I don't know. The whole thing's going to be weird. Um, I don't know. I still don't know who's supposed to score goals. Um, we'll see. I guess we're buying in Kunku from uh, Leipzig. Um, that The contract is almost done. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Um, it's going to be, and he plays like, and he plays like the exact same position as Mason Mount and Havertz. I don't even know. I, I don't this know what they're supposed to do much. with this. The, the guys are playing We're, out of position. Uh, Mount's a disaster because he's being asked to do stuff that it's not his natural thing, and it, I don't know. We are uh, kind of disciples of Bill Simmons on this show, so we've mentioned Bill Simmons more than ever today. I yeah. feel like, but he always talks about how um, the worst thing that happens is that new owners buy teams. And then they want to make an instant splash. And so they do all this crazy erratic shit. And then it kind of blows up in their face. And then they finally calm down. And then they like learn how to run a team. And then it all gets back on track. And I just feel like that's exactly what's happened here For with sure. Chelsea. This dude came in. He spent more money in a transfer window than anyone ever to build this perfect team for his coach that was running a specific system. And then before they could even get those guys integrated into the team, he fired the coach and then put in a new guy who was supposed to use all these pieces that the old coach wanted for his system. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. he's going to run a different system or something. I just don't get that. That's what's bizarre to me. My buddy from England posted the Bernie meme, and it was, (laughs) I'm once again asking you to – refrain from making big money signings without a director of football in place. And it's just like, yes, please, yo. please follow that. <laughs> Todd, please. Yeah. yeah. That's what needs to happen. He needs to stop. He needs to get a, put his credit card away. That's, I mean, I don't he, care. He I'm no... fine with it. You know, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, by the way, it's not my money. All right, guys. Um, well, that's all the time we have this week on the Nordies podcast. Go check out our uh, House of the Dragon Thrones cast as we talk about the seventh episode and definitely the best episode of the season so far of the new Game of Thrones show. Uh, we have a screencast coming up where we'll talk about a bunch of other shows like Andor, Rings of Power, and we'll do our uh, Chris Nolan rewatch. This week we watched Dunkirk, so go check all that out. Until next time, thanks for hanging out with your good friends here at the Nordies podcast. <laughs>